and welcome to Screen Babble, your guide to what to watch. We'll be tuning into hours and hours of TV so we can tell you what you need to be switching on and what's to be avoided. I'm your host, Kelly Crichton, and as ever, our resident TV critics, Stephen Ross and Benjamin Jackson, are here armed and ready with some more hotshot reviews. And I must say, thank you for holding the fort last week where when I was marooned on Shetland in Sumborough Airport where the Wi-Fi would not support this wonderful broadcast, uh, unfortunately. Remember, if you want to see our faces, you can head over to Freeview Channel 276 Shots, which is brought to you by a network of journalists across the country who are transforming stories at the heart of your community into great TV. You'll find true crime stories, football news and analysis, plus coverage of lifestyle, TV, film and much more. If you haven't tuned in before, which I find it hard to believe, uh, each week we'll be chatting about what we're watching as well as looking more closely at a new programme or something making the headlines in the deep dive. This week, Stephen brings us Killer Paradox. It's a good name, isn't it? It is, yeah. We'll see if it lives up to the name. And finally, we go back to the future to tell you about a programme you may have missed when it first aired or streamed. We are digging into the treasure chest that is Benji's back catalogue this week and he's going to talk to us about Bob's Burgers people but first as always we like to talk about what everyone has been watching recently so Stephen start us off this week what have you been watching this week well I managed to get to the cinema and I finally saw the holdovers oh very good so Best Picture nominee. I don't know what else it's nominated for, but I'm guessing if it's an original screenplay... I think it's a screenplay one, yeah. It will be in with a shout of winning because, yeah, the screenplay is great. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved it. It's the Paul Giamatti film um, about this sort of haggard teacher who hasn't necessarily done an awful lot with his life and isn't loved by his students Mm. at this... um, New England private school. And is it a high, it's a high school or is it a university yeah. high school? Yeah, it's a high school. And he's dumped with the kids that aren't able to go home for Christmas mm-hmm. for various reasons and is tasked with looking after them over the holidays. Weird that it was released in the new year rather than over Christmas because it is, a, in my view, a sort of holiday film okay. or a Thanksgiving film. And... Yeah, one of the students ends up staying for right through Christmas. The others seem to get away a bit earlier. And it's this bonding opportunity for these two characters that at first were totally at odds with each other. And then they sort of discovered their shared humanity. And there's um, a lady who works in the canteen as well, who's also there over Christmas. She uh, lost her son in Vietnam, I believe. It's the film set in 1970 she sort of brought into the fold as well. And it's a really wholesome, heart heartwarming, I guess, is how you describe it. I thought it was about 20 minutes too long, okay. but that's my only real criticism. I thought it was very good. The 20 minutes didn't really make it boring. Is it, it particularly long? Is it is it very long then? About two and a quarter hours maybe. Okay. Um, but it, it, it definitely could have been a bit tight. It definitely could have been like one hour 50. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I actually saw a, I saw a clip of it because I saw um, oh what's the name of the actress Divine is it Divine Divine Joy Randolph there you go Divine Joy Randolph thank you Bidget she was on with Graham Norton a few weeks back and she's so funny she's so dry her humour but they did show a clip of the film and I didn't realise it was set in the 70s could have been set today for whatever yeah it, it's pretty timeless apart from the the references to uh, the Vietnam War, yeah, um, it, it, yeah, some New Year's sort of celebrations. But it, I, I thought the same thing as I watched it. I thought oh, this definitely isn't set t- 
today just mm. because of some of the set dressing. But I was like, I think it had been intentionally made to be fairly timeless. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I didn't realise that at all. It's yeah. way that, that Dead, Poets, Dead Poets Society, I mean, it was very similar in some ways to Dead Poets. Yeah, um, yeah. Fantastic film. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think um, that was also a fairly timeless setting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer Dead Poets slightly, um, but I mean, it's hard to compete with, with Robin Williams. But yeah. definitely, definitely recommend The Whole Lovers for anyone who's looking to look at some of the new releases out at the minute. Cool. Yeah. There's a bit, a bit of a potentially award winning films in the cinema at the moment. Uh, That's the season. Yeah. In, in other cinema news, my sister went to see Argyle at the weekend and left after half an hour. Yeah. Apparently it's pretty bad. I've not seen yeah. it, so I can't comment, but it's not got. And I mean, she was trying to get away from a small baby and she still actually just came home. That's how bad it was. Yeah. I don't think we'll be seeing Henry Cavill as Bond off the back of that. No, no. Uh, anyway, right, Benji, over to you. What have you been watching? Just the one thing for me, well, two if you count Bob's Burgers, and there was a lot of Bob's Burgers to be watched. But uh, <laughs> I've been going back and making use of my Apple TV Plus subscription and uh, watching a very, very interesting adaptation from a manga called Drops of God. Uh, and the plot is basically about a French girl who is the daughter of a very renowned vineyard owner, restaurateur. I I think it's a wine connoisseur, but she's definitely ingrained in that French winemaking society. However, she abstains from taking over the company business for whatever reason. And then you find out later on. Uh, And so the father on his deathbed decides to run a test between his daughter and his best protege, who is a Japanese student who studied uh, sommeliering underneath this guy. And it's they both have to pass a series of trials dedicated to just how much and how attuned they are to winemaking. <laughs> Sounds random. Now that might just sound like very boring or it might sound... It might sound like another kind of Alexander Payne, who Stephen mentioned with the holdovers. His first film was, uh, well, one of his first films was Sideways, yes. if you remember, which was going okay. through one. Um, it's really taut and tense, though, really taut and tense. I kind of found it very interesting, being a bit of a nerd, that it's done in three different languages. So it is English, French, and Japanese throughout the whole thing. The cinematography is just absolutely fantastic. And it, it's a really riveting read. Uh, read? It's a really riveting watch. Well, read because of the subtitles on the screen yes. as well. I can be forgiven yes, for saying yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, they're hour-long episodes. There's six of them, but they are definitely, definitely interesting. And it's just once again why I feel that Apple TV is where prestige television is trying to make its name rather than say other streaming companies that pick up licenses. Yes. So it's another really strong Apple TV original. It's out now. Binge watch it. Um, and yeah, maybe wine connoisseurs or you know those people that are really into kind of like foreign language films might get something out of it. I really enjoyed it myself. Definitely enjoyed it. It's an is it anime or is it actually? Is it- no, no, no. It's live. It's it is live action. Oh, so they adapted it from the manga, oh, okay. which was a series of books called Drops of God. They tweaked it a little bit for the television audience. Um, 
but it's still pretty random. Whoa. But that's what you get when I come on the screen babble. So, it, is, it sounds you know. random, but it's kind of um, intriguing sounding, I must say. I think it, it is the intrigue. The first episode gets you. Uh, it kind of sets the tone as to the dynamic or the, the fraught dynamic between the daughter and the father. But then you start mm-hmm. to realize that perhaps she wasn't coerced into taking over the vineyard, taking over the winery. Okay. And it just delves into, you know, her maturing, growing up. And of course there's that competitive element against her rival to take over. I mean, it's just, it's a movie for wine connoisseurs, but it's also a movie for those that have kind of like an interest in those tense foreign films or foreign TV series. So yeah, yeah. prestige at its best. Family dynasty, succession issues, etc. Yeah, yeah, like a like a French take on succession, but with uh, a, a lot more kind of tension and a lot less swearing, a lot less swearing. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, very, two very different recommendations there. So, because I haven't spoken to you for a few weeks, I have to, and I know Benji. Thank you for mentioning the traitors last week, but considering I was the only person who actually watched the whole thing, I have to say I thought it was. Excellent. And I thought the finale was excellent. And honestly, my heart has not been going like the clappers like that for a very, very long time watching anything. It was really, really good. And I would recommend that you guys, it's probably a bit, I I don't know if it's a thing you can catch up on, but I would recommend you to watch the next series. And also there was a visualized podcast much like this (laughs) that Ed Gamble did afterwards called Uncloaked as well which is kind of broken (laughs) new ground in that the sound setup was so amazing on it and they managed to pull it off as a as an actual TV program yeah but Kelly Kelly is not a patch on on screen come on (laughs) I mean (laughs) Uncloaked is 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 all well and good but the screen babble franchise that we're working here is is unrivaled. The one thing I would say is they probably had access to better guests. <laughs> like I heard that um, we influenced that uncloaked. Is that correct? I, I'm pretty sure Gamble has been checking us out. I'm pretty sure. But I'm pretty sure that if if uh, if Alex was still here, that was definitely influenced Ed Gamble. Definitely. I feel like we should maybe have just tapped them up for their studio afterwards. That would have been cool. Um, just we'd be sitting there in our leather. Chesterfield couches, just taking it all in, you know, five grand mics in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. No, it was really good. And and what I liked about that was it, you still had to go and listen to the podcast separately to get all of it. You know, it, it extended onto the podcast too. So they were helping to mo- promote podcasts. But I feel like it's the beginning of the end in terms for uh, visualization of podcasts, kind of, because it was so good. It's just a TV program again with really nice sound, you know, so. But anyway... Recommend, highly recommend it. I thought it was fantastic. The the finale, I was just like, oh my God, oh my God. It was phenomenal. Um, Right. Also, but you have to be a TV, a reality TV kind of person, I think, to really get into it. So, um, yeah, that's just my only uh, caveat. The other thing to say is I watched American Nightmare, which is a three-part series on Netflix about a couple who go through this mental thing back in 2015 where they're attacked in the middle of the night in their home the uh, female Denise gets kidnapped and ensues like weeks and months and years of mad stuff like that you just, it feels like the most made up thing 
of all time. And it's just really intriguing about how the police handle it and everything that happens. It's a total rollercoaster. So I'd actually recommend that. And those things aren't always great. Those kind of true crime things that come out on Netflix, they're kind of dime a dozen. But this was actually quite good and quite eye-opening. American Nightmare. Fool Me Once, Netflix 2. I just finished it. Oh my God, eight episodes long. When I started the eighth episode, I noticed it was 35 minutes and I was like, thank God, it's only 35 minutes. I was really losing the will to live by that stage. But oh my God, talk about ramming everything into the last 35 minutes. Like they eked it out over the, well, they didn't really eke it out. There was so much going on in this series. Now, I know it's based on a Harlan Coben novel. So like, obviously... There's tons in a novel, you know, there'll be all these plots and subplots and whatever, fine. But I just don't think it translated well into TV. There was too much going on. They had so many plots and so many just devices. Like there's bits in it that I don't even know why they were in there. Like, so the story is basically about this woman whose husband dies and she's ex-military. And then essentially she sees him on a nanny cam. And she thinks he's alive. And then it's this trying to figure out everything that's happened around his murder and some other murders, etc. But then you also have these other subplots about her niece and nephew finding a long lost brother, which never really comes to anything. And then you have another one about this kind of dark web sort of personality guy who's running things from a computer in a lair, but he's actually kind of a good guy. But why is he there? I've no idea. The cop that's in there has some sort of illness that's making him black out you know, just mad stuff mad stuff if you want to waste eight hours of your life go ahead I feel like it lulls you into a false sense of excitement and intrigue in the first few episodes so you kind of keep going with it but it just loses the plot completely and not my cup of tea I hope some of his other thrillers or better TV ones I think I've only seen one in the past and it was okay but so there you go Stephen, Killer Paradox, I don't know what this is about. Should I try and guess from the name? Is it about... Yeah, go for it. Is it like a thriller, I'm going to say a four-part thriller on Disney? No, Netflix. And no, (laughs) Amazon. And, (laughs) And it's about some shady male character set in America and he's ex-cop and he's found out about something and he's investigating it. How do I do? No, it is an, <laughs> an, an eight-part Netflix South Korean uh, comedy crime thriller. I should have known. Um, it's, it's kind of, I mean, since Squid Game, Mm. There's been so much South Korean content on Netflix and mm. it's been a bit hit and miss. Mm. I think the paradox uh, is definitely worth your time. So I'm oh. only allowed to review the first four of the episodes. Okay. And then when the embargo lifts on the other four, I'll probably get something else out on that. But it's, 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 yeah, it says serial killer comedy um, as the, <laughs> but, there's an oxymoron for you. Yeah. So the general premise is this sort of everyday guy who works at a um, convenience store accidentally kills this guy who out of nowhere starts like beating him up and he's got a hammer that he was going to use to put up a photo at his home and he just grabs a hammer and smacks him with it and accidentally kills him. Ooh. And then somehow gets away with this crime and realises 
in the news a few days later that the guy he killed was a serial killer. And then someone who spotted him commit the crime also ends up dead. And then it's revealed that she too had been killing people. And so this guy has accidentally killed a few people that turn out to have been really bad guys. Mm. Um, but at the same time, there's a detective working the case who starts to suspect his involvement. But right. from about episode three, towards the end of episode three, it sort of hangs a left and it just goes in a slightly different direction to what you're expecting. Mm. And I'm assuming because the review embargo is four episodes and then four episodes, episode five may have another twist as well. Okay. Um, it sort of takes a different direction. You th- you think you're getting comfortable with the show as it is, and it's not as much as a comedy as I expect in the first couple of episodes. And then episode four was really quite funny, but it's it's also very interesting in the avenues it decides to take and the characters it introduces. Because it's the South Korean series, I don't know if the cast will mean an awful lot, but uh, Choi Woo-seek plays Lee Tang, who is the, the main sort of every man who finds himself accidentally killing some bad guys. Accidental vigilante. Yeah. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. And then Son Suk Koo is in it as well. Lee Hee Joon. Um, I've been watching it with um, dubs, which I know is a bit naughty. It's not the authentic way, but when you're trying to watch these things for review purposes, it's a lot easier to have the dubbing on. And the dubbing is pretty good. It's up there with sort of Squid Game levels oh. of dubbing, where it's uh, it doesn't totally take you out of it. Um, it's probably a bit better. Actually. The one thing I would say about subtitles is I, I'm deadly for like being on my phone while I'm watching TV. So at least if there's subtitles, you have to put on your phone because you actually have no, to watch the thing, yeah. you know. Yeah. But I get it. You're probably taking notes and doing other things at the same time when you're trying to watch yeah. it. So absolutely. OK, that sounds kind of interesting. And uh, has, has there been much hype around this? Like, is this? No, not really. Not no. really. I, I don't know if maybe in, in South Korea it's been advertised a lot more i think yeah. it'll definitely end up on the front page of netflix when it comes out so it's out right. um all episodes on the 9th of february people who are into the korean dramas and yeah. the, there are a lot of those now aren't there um, and yeah, we'll yeah. get on it pretty pretty quickly i i was surprised at how much i i liked it um okay and i'm excited to see where the last four episodes go as well but um, yeah, all all eps out on the ninth, and definitely worth your time. It's something a little bit different, and it's also mm-hmm. quite quite interesting as well. Cool, cool. Okay, right. Thank you for that, Stephen. Benji, Bob's Burgers, take us back, take us back in time now, to I mean, another place. Are the parents familiar? Has anyone ever caught an episode of Bob's Burgers? Because if you have, or if you've caught Archer, you might recognise that voice of H. John Benjamin who not only voiced Archer, but he voices the titular Bob of Bob's Burgers. Now, it was created by a uh, a person called Lauren Bouchard, who, I mean, me going way, way back, showing my age here, he created the cult classic Home Movies back in 1999 that had a couple of episodes on network television in the United States, but then really found this once again on Adult Swim, which was Cartoon Network's adult animation programming. And the premise is pretty simple. Uh, Bob Belcher, voiced by H. John Benjamin, he runs Bob's Burgers, which is a burger joint, with his wife, Linda, and his father to three children. Precocious bunny Ed Louise, voiced by Kristen Schaal, who seems to do almost any U.S. alternative comedy. She did Flight of the Concords, and she's also been in 
what we do in the Shadows TV series. Uh, there is Eugene, who is this surrealistic uh, arch-type weird kind of kid going through growing um, voiced by uh, Eugene Merman, who is a big kind of alternative comedian, once again, released uh, comedy albums through Sub Pop, and uh, Tina, who owns the most dulcet tones in all of teenage uh, girls in cartoon history <laughs> who has an obsession with <laughs> zombies and butts now i i've always been a fan of it but i also think it's always been unfairly compared to the simpsons and i can understand the reasons why uh the simpsons mm. was the leading program for bob's burgers when it was part of uh animation domination which is uh in america fox's dedicated block to animated uh, programming such as back in the day you'd have king of the hill following on from the simpsons and stuff like that but where the simpsons is more kind of grounded towards family comedy and i understand that bob's burgers also has the element of family comedy or family sitcom when you read it, it turns out that Fox actually wanted it to be more of an animated workplace comedy like The Office rather than another kind of Simpsons knockoff. And okay. um, it is very, very witty. I mean, if you've watched Archer before, uh, you know just how deadpan hates John Benjamin can be. Uh, I think that Dan Mintz, who does the voice Tina, is one of the breakout characters. And it, it just took a life of its own. I mean, it went from a TV series to then getting its own film. From its own film, it then also got its own album, again, released by Sub Pop. That's that connection between one of the voice actors and the record label. Uh, and it, it's still going. It's one of those rare animated shows that hasn't been cancelled yet despite the fact that it gets those lazy comparisons with The Simpsons. And it's it's all on Disney+. Plus. And look, if, if the world's getting to you, I know crazy things are happening at the minute, it's just nice to sit down, watch that, unwind and detach yourself because sometimes it can be very heartfelt and other times it can be incredibly surreal. Uh, and it's all on Disney+, yeah. Plus subscription required, but it's just a brilliant show. And I think... I think it holds up more than the more recent episodes of The Simpsons, and it definitely has more of a consistency than the later seasons of okay. The Simpsons. So those comparisons, I think, are unfounded. They're okay. lazy, and it's definitely something in its own merit worth your viewing. Very good. I just Googled it there, and I don't recognize it at all, strangely. I mean, I have Disney and everything, and I've never seen it brought up, but, you know, that's obviously the algorithm or whatever. But... um. No, that's cool. Uh, it sounds like a like a, a little refreshing world of animation for grown-ups, so I uh, might check that out at some point. I was going to say, and don't let the crude animation style throw you off, because just because it's crudely animated, home movies in 1999 were very crudely animated. Like, if anyone remembers Dr. Katz, which had that real... All the lines were just shaking, like, oh, this animation's terrible. Okay. But... What it may lack in the visual aesthetic, it more than makes up for with its uh, script writing. So, yeah, check it out. Brilliant. And, yeah, I know exactly Kristen Schaal. She's that, she's prolific, isn't she, for her oh, voice? She, she does such a unique voice. She does everything in terms of alternative comedy, either being the stalker on yeah. Flight of the Concords, whether she's being a vampire, um, 
I remember also one of Stephen's least favorite movies, Dinner for Schmucks. She even had a cameo appearance in that. So there you go. she gets everywhere. <laughs> She's prolific. She's quite singular, quite singular. Okay, that's great. Thank you so much, Benji. And thank you all for joining us this week. Do look out for Friday morning's Screen Babble Weekend Watch, which will preview what to watch over the weekend and beyond. If you have any suggestions for what TV we need to get into our lives, drop us a line via our social media. We'd love for you to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast so we can reach as many TV lovers as possible. We'll be back next week with more Screen Babble. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.